Amen. It is encouraging to hear you singing out the praises of the Lord. Returning for our scripture reading to the first book in the Bible, the book of Genesis, and to the chapter 3. The book of Genesis and the chapter 3. Turn to Genesis chapter 3. And we know that this is the chapter that contains that account of the fall of man into sin and that partaking of the forbidden fruit. And we're going to take up our reading in the verse 7, uh, just as they have eaten that forbidden fruit. Genesis chapter 3 and the verse 7. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree, whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? The man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field, upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return." And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Unto Adam also, unto his wife, 
did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them. Amen. We land there at verse 21. May the Lord add his own blessing to this public reading from his own precious and infallible word. Amen. I would invite you to turn with me once again in the Word of God to the book of Genesis and to that chapter 3. The book of Genesis and the chapter 3. And this, of course, is a chapter of chapters. And in Genesis chapter 3 this morning, I would like to draw your attention particularly to the verse 15. And the Lord said here, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And in this verse of Scripture, we have the promise of a Savior. The promise of a Savior. Let's just unite our hearts together and ask the Lord for help as we come to the ministry of his word. Our gracious and our loving Father, we do thank thee for the blessing that this service has been to our hearts already. And we thank thee, our Father, that we have thy precious word. And we rejoice, O God, that it is thine own inspired and infallible word. And even as we would come to it, we pray, O God, for that listening ear and for that understanding heart. And we don't want only to be hearers of thy word. We want to be doers, O God. And we pray that thou wouldst help us to take that word to heart, that it would encourage us in the Lord our God and would help us in our walk with thee. Father, speak to each and every heart and close us in now, we pray, and glorify thy name in and through us. We ask these things for Jesus' sake. Amen. The book of Genesis is not only the first book in the Bible, but it is the foundational book of the Bible. And how important the foundation is Whenever you think of a building, the foundation is vital. If you go wrong at foundation level, well, then you're going to go wrong thereafter. And so the foundation is something that is fundamental. And so when you come to the book of Genesis, it's good always to remember that we not only come to the first book and to the foundational book of the Bible, but we come to a fundamental book in the Bible. And most especially when you come to those opening chapters, where there are many vital issues that are dealt with here. The opening chapters of Genesis give to us the origin of this world and of this universe. The opening chapters of the book of Genesis tell us how this world came into being, that God spoke and it was done. God spoke this world into being. 
God is the great creator of this world and of this universe. God is the creator of man. He created man from the very dust of the ground. And we learn these foundational and these fundamental truths at the very beginning of the Bible. And these opening chapters of Genesis also tell us about man's fall into sin. It tells us about the origin of sin. It tells us about the entrance of sin into this world. And it reveals to us the consequences and the curse of sin. And so as we have come to the opening chapters of Genesis and particularly to chapter 3, we're coming to a momentous chapter in the Word of God. It records for us how the devil deceived both Adam and Eve and brought them to partake of the forbidden fruit. And we took up our reading in the verse 7 and it just begins to reveal to us the result of that disobedience to God. And it tells us in verse 7, And the eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked. And that reveals to us that immediately having partaken of the forbidden fruit, having disobeyed God, they became conscious of their sin. They realized they were naked. And as you look on there into the verse 8, it says, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And so they're conscious of their sin, and verse 8 is teaching us that they feel that guilt of their sin. They feel guilty before the Lord God, and therefore they run. And man has been running from God ever since. Man wants to run away from God. Man does not want to face up to his sinfulness. If you go to the world today for their counsel and you go to the world for advice, they will tell you, just accept yourself as you are. Oh, don't be thinking bad about yourself. Don't be feeling too lowly about yourself. Oh, just build yourself up and be positive. Build up your self-esteem. But the Lord wants man to face up to their sin. The Lord wants us to have our sin dealt with. And so here in love and in mercy, the Lord calls out to Adam. Oh, the Lord could have left them to perish in his sin, and deservedly and justly so. But the Lord calls out to Adam as he's running away and he's hiding from the Lord. The Lord God said, Adam, where art thou? And God is searching man out in his sin and in his guilt. And there you have the grace and the mercy of God. The Lord would reveal to them the consequences of their actions. The Lord would reveal to them the curse that he would place upon sin and he will address all who were involved here and he addresses them individually, if you like. If you look at verse 14 of our Bible reading, the Lord is speaking to the serpent. 
And the Lord God said unto the serpent. Then you notice in verse 15, the Lord is addressing the devil himself here. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman. In verse 16, he's actually speaking unto the woman herself. He's speaking to Eve. Then you can see in verse 17, he's speaking to the man. He's speaking to Adam. So in each of those verses, the Lord is bringing out the consequences of sin. And he's highlighting it to each of those involved. And our attention today is drawn to the verse 15. And the Lord here is addressing the promise. And he said, I will. And there you have something of a promise from the Lord. I will. And it's what the Lord is going to do here. He said, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Mr. Spurgeon said concerning this text of Scripture, this text at first looks like flint. It's hard. But he went on to say, but it contains hidden fires of infinite love and grace. And therefore, as we come to this first book in the Bible, and this foundational book, and this fundamental chapter in the Word of God, and this verse that's within that chapter, that's such an important verse, I want you to take time to look at it. And I want you to see that the Lord here has these treasures of infinite love and grace because this is the verse that contains the very first promise of a Savior. The very first promise of a Savior. It is actually referred to in theological terms as the Proto-Evangel. And what that simply means is it's the first time the gospel is preached. It's the first time the gospel is heard. And here as you come through those opening chapters in the book of Genesis, here is that promise of a Savior. What promise did God give to Adam and Eve before driving them from the garden? The promise of a Savior. And here it is. It's Genesis 3.15. And here is that fundamental verse that we are going to look at together here, the Lord helping us this morning. The promise. And I want you to think in the first place about the promise in relation to Satan. Because the Lord here addresses him in verse 15, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman. And he's speaking here about Satan and Eve. And there's going to be an enmity there, and it's the Lord who initiates this. The Lord has said, I will put enmity. That word enmity, we would think of the word enemy. It has to do with a battle. It has to do with the conflict. The Lord is saying here that he's going to initiate this conflict and this battle, this war. And it's between here Satan and Eve initially. 
And so the Lord who had created all things good, and the Lord who had placed Adam and Eve into paradise, into the Garden of Eden, and he had given them just the one prohibition. Of all the trees of the garden, thou mayest freely eat but the one tree. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou mayest not eat. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And the devil, entering into the serpent, he was able with his subtlety and guile to deceive Eve. He beguiled her. And of course we know that she did eat. And the devil at this point will think that he has the victory. He has thwarted God's plan for his creation. And Satan thinks that he's got the victory here over the Lord. And here the Lord comes immediately after the transgression, immediately after the fall, and he declares war on the devil. He said, I will put enmity between thee and the woman. You see, the devil thought he had Eve in his grasp. And the devil thought he would hold on to Eve. But of course the Lord would, in mercy, rescue her and Adam. The Lord would show them that great illustration of how he would cover their sin. Now where we finished our Bible reading, you could come down there to the verse 21. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them. There had to be the shedding of blood. The Lord in his mercy, he will rescue Eve, he will rescue Adam. They will come to worship the Lord on the grounds of the blood. They will come to follow the Lord. They'll be in obedience to the Lord. They will enter into a conflict with the devil because they belong to the Lord. Though we could learn from Eve and from the fall here, Because the serpent is still busy. The devil is still busy seeking through his subtlety to deceive with all guile. And you could notice here, just as we're in this chapter, the tactic of the devil. The first mistake with Eve was that she listened to the devil. She listened to him. And you can see from the opening verse of this chapter, he's saying to her there, Yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the way that he would have put that to Eve, he was causing her to to doubt the word of the Lord. And that's the tactic of the devil. He wants us to doubt God's word. Yeah, he would want to bring us to the very point where we would deny God's word. Because that's what he did. He actually went on to say to her at the end of verse 4, Ye shall not surely die. The Lord says, If you partake of the forbidden fruit, ye shall surely die. And there's a direct contradiction from the devil. He says, you'll not surely die. God's word is not true. And she listened to the devil. 
She not only listened, but she looked. You look there in verse 6 of our chapter, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes, she looked at that. The Lord had told them, Don't eat of that tree. But oh, it seems that the very timing here of the devil's approach to Eve was the time when she was in the proximity of that tree. She was near to it where she could look at it. And as she cast her eye upon it, it was pleasant to her eyes. You see how the devil wants to tempt us and the devil wants to entice us. The devil would say of certain things, oh, there's no harm in looking. It's okay to look. But here we can see by Eve that that was a mistake. Listening to the devil, causing that doubt and denial of God's word, and then looking at that which God had forbidden. She was setting temptation before her eyes. She not only listened and looked, but she longed. She longed for it. Verse 6 goes on there to say, A tree to be desired. A tree to be desired to, to make one wise. And you see the steps there, their downward steps where she listens to the lie of the devil and she looks to that which God had forbidden and then she's a longing in her heart. There's a desire for it. Not be long after that till the hand goes out to take it. She partook of the forbidden fruit and she gave to her husband and he did eat. The hand went forth, and at that moment sin entered. And Eve will realize at that moment and realize very quickly, Oh, the devil's a liar. The devil has deceived me. The devil has beguiled me. The Lord has exposed the devil. And there's an enmity now. An enmity between the devil and between Eve, I will put enmity between thee and the woman. And the old serpent here, the serpent ever remains that symbol of sin and Satan. To this very day, we would associate the symbol of the serpent. When you think of the previous verse, the verse 14, and we're We're not dealing with that today, but the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And there's an illustration of the curse of God against sin in the very serpent and the snake. It's a reminder, constant reminder to us, an illustration, the danger of sin. And that illustration continues through the Word of God. Remember when Israel was in the wilderness and they murmured against the Lord and were fiery serpents, fiery serpents with that venomous bite went in amongst them. What a picture of sin. 
The book of Proverbs would teach us about the wickedness of wine. It says it baiteth like a serpent. Baiteth like a serpent. When you come into the New Testament scriptures, you can read the words of the Lord when he said, O generation of vapors, generation of vapors. When you come to the end of the Bible, to the book of the Revelation, and there in the chapter 12, you would find in the verse 9, and the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil. And so we're in the book of Genesis in chapter 3 and we're reading about the serpent and Satan and you come to the very end of the Bible in Revelation 12 and 9 and the Lord's still speaking about that old serpent called the devil. And over in Revelation chapter 20 and there in the verse 2 and he laid hold on the dragon that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. That old serpent. And it comes there from Genesis chapter 3. You would have to see in relation to the promise that the Lord is giving here when he says, I will. There's the promise there in relation to Satan himself. That old serpent. But I want you to see, secondly, from our text of Scripture, the promise in relation to the seed. Because it doesn't stop with Eve and the devil. It goes further. The Lord said in our text, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. And so this is going further into the future. This is speaking about the seed of the woman or the seed of Eve, and she was the mother of all living. And it's speaking about the seed of the serpent, speaking about the seed of the devil, thy seed and her seed. And so this is a verse that goes much further than its immediate context here in the Garden of Eden. This battle that the Lord initiates, the Lord draws the battle lines and he's saying, I will put enmity not only between thee and the woman, but between thy seed and her seed. And that conflict is going to rage on. It'll rage on down through every generation. That conflict, that battle, that war against good and evil. That's going to be visible in every generation of time. And that battle today still rages. We see it in the world today. And we can see its origins right here in Genesis chapter 3. There's a battle between truth and falsehood that rages today. There's a battle between light and darkness, between right and wrong. The seed of the woman... The seed of the serpent. The seed of the woman here is really representative down through the ages of every believer. Of everyone that will come to faith in Christ. The seed is the offspring. The seed is a reference to the children. 
And so the seed of the woman here, it is speaking to us about those that come to faith in Christ, whom the apostle will call the children of God. The children of God. Adopted into God's family. And the seed of the serpent. Well, that's everyone that remains in unbelief. The children of the devil. The children of disobedience. And so the seed of the woman will take in in every generation those who are the faithful. And the seed of the serpent takes in in every generation those who oppose God. And while the text refers here to that future seed, yet it does have in mind a particular seed. The seed of the woman. That's a reference to Christ. That's the promise of the Savior. He would come through the seed of the woman. And the seed of the serpent, in particular the seed of the serpent, that will be the Antichrist. The one who will arise at the end of this age. The one whose spirit is now abroad in the world. That spirit of Antichrist. And so you have, if you like, those two humanities down through the ages of time. It's the seed of the woman and it's the seed of the serpent. You could trace the seed of the woman right down to the Lord Jesus Christ. You could trace the lineage of Christ. We haven't time, of course, to do that in the Word of God. But the devil ever sought to cut off that seed. The devil ever sought to prevent that seed. The devil was trying to stop Christ being born. And if you think of the efforts of the devil immediately here, when that seed would have been Abel, what did Cain do to Abel? He killed him. The devil is trying right away to to stop that seed that would end in the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, Seth was born because the Lord will preserve that seed. And you could trace it right down to Noah. Oh, in Noah's day, the Lord is going to destroy the world because it repented God that he had made man upon the face of the earth. And therefore, the Lord is going to come to destroy man from off the face of the earth. But in the ark, the seed will be preserved through Noah. Then through Shem. You could go down through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Judah and Jesse and David and you could trace it right to Mary, the seed of the woman. It's the promise of a saviour. So many times the devil sought to cut off that seed to prevent Christ's incarnation, to prevent the Lord Jesus Christ being born. My, there's a powerful example of it in Second Kings in the chapter 11. And you read there about a woman and her name was Athaliah. And when Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all the royal seed. 
My, she wanted to usurp the throne for herself. So she says, I'll destroy all the royal seat. She destroyed her own grandchildren. And she thought that she'd wiped them all out. And the devil thinks he has the victory. And the seed has been cut off. The very next verse in 2 Kings 11 says, But Jehoshaphat, the daughter of King Joram, sister of Ahaziah, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him from among the king's sons which were slain. And they hid him, even him and his nurse, in the bedchamber from Athaliah, so that he was not slain. And unbeknown to Athaliah, there was one preserved. God preserved him, Joash. He was hidden away for six years. But the seed of the woman, right down to the Lord Jesus Christ, the seed will come forth. The promise of the Savior, the promise in relation to Satan, the promise in relation to the seed, and then finally the promise in relation to the Savior himself. And when you come back to our text of Scripture and the latter part of that verse, and it's speaking again about the seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Do you see how it's there, the singular? His heel. And it's a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's uh, the talk here of a bruising, a bruising encounter. And the seed of the serpent, the seed of the devil, will bruise the Savior's heel. But the Lord Jesus Christ, the seed of the woman, will bruise the serpent's head. And I want you to really grasp that. As to what we're being taught in this very first message of the gospel in the Bible. It's the very first message of a Savior in the Bible. And it's speaking about the seed of the woman who would bruise the serpent's head. And about the seed of the serpent who would bruise Christ's heel. What does that refer to? Well, the bruising of the heel would be reminding us of Calvary. And there again the devil will think he has the victory. The blessed Son of God is nailed to the tree. And we read in Isaiah 53 and 10, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. And the Lord Jesus Christ, as he shed his precious blood on Calvary's center tree, Satan was bruising his heel. And Satan thought there that He had the victory over Christ. But the seed of the woman shall bruise his head. And the bruising of the head is the crushing of the head. And that is a mortal blow. That is the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ over the devil. And the Lord Jesus Christ had the victory over the devil at Calvary. While looking on with the human eye, it would have seemed like defeat. Oh, it was victory. Because with his own life's blood, he paid the price for our redemption. 
And praise God, on the third day he rose again triumphantly and he had the victory over death and over sin and over the devil and over hell itself and he dealt that mortal blow to the devil. He has crushed the devil's head. It's interesting in Romans, in the chapter 16, whenever the apostle was writing there to the believers at Rome. He said there in the verse 20, And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. He'll bruise Satan under your feet. And you think there of the crushing of the devil's head. Oh, we see it at Calvary, the victory of Christ, but going even further forward in time, yea, even into the future. The second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ultimately, we're going to see that great victory. Revelation 20 says that that old serpent, the dragon called the devil, he's going to be bound in chains. He's going to be held in chains. And then ultimately, he's going to be cast into the lake of fire. And there's the victory of our Lord and Savior. And it comes from that very first prophecy, that very first promise, that text of Scripture that's fundamental in Genesis 3 and 15. And it reaches right to the very second coming of the Lord. It reaches right to the casting of Satan into the lake of fire. How comprehensive this text of Scripture is. How right Mr. Spurgeon was when you first look at it. Oh, it seems like flint, but the more that you study it and meditate upon it, there are fires of infinite love and grace. It stretches from Genesis through to Revelation. If this text of Scripture had not been given, there would be no gospel. This text of Scripture had not been given, there would be no grace. And if this text of Scripture had not been given, there would be no glory. But there is the promise of a Savior. And there is that promise of victory in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he's able to save to the uttermost all them that come unto God through him. And he's able to keep forever those who trust in him. Though be sure today, be sure that your faith is in Christ. Be sure that you're united to the Lord Jesus Christ. Be sure that you're going to share in the victory. You're going to share in the glory of our Lord and Savior. May the Lord bless these thoughts to each of our hearts this morning.